Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking to Russ Krajak, a recovering patent attorney who believes that IP can be used as a financial instrument. He is the author of Investing in Patents and one of IAM's top 300 patent strategists. We'll be talking about using patents as a financial instrument in engineering, how you can consider a career in patents as an engineer, and why it's important for engineers to patent their inventions. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering and a leadership and career coach for engineers. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now I would like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. ASME, the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, promotes the art, science, and practice of multidisciplinary engineering and allied sciences around the globe. Becoming a member and joining the ASME community is the most important connection a current or future mechanical engineer can make. ASME members can engage with various ASME local sections. Student sections represent ASME at university and college campuses globally. Professional sections are ASME local chapters. Each ASME member is assigned to a local section based on their geographic location. For those MEs studying for the PE exam, ASME offers member discounts on prep courses through our PE exam passpoint program with the Engineering Management Institute. We also offer our mentoring services to help you build relationships for both mentors and mentees. To find out more about ASME and what membership can do for you, check us out on www.asme.org. Now let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into this main segment of the episode. Today I'm talking with Russ Krajak. Russ, it's so great to be with you today. Thanks for being here on the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, Russ, I'm excited about this conversation. You have an interesting background. You mind sharing a little bit about your background and how you got into what you're doing today? Today, I'm a patent attorney. I got out of school as a mechanical engineer, worked aerospace in St. Louis at the end of the defense era in the late 80s, early 90s. When that imploded, I moved out here to Colorado and started working the disk drive business. Was able to work couple places around here designing production line equipment and so on. Uh, Wound up at Hewlett Packard for several years doing cell phone test systems. Had the opportunity to join Waterpick as an engineer designing consumer products. And about this time, I had thought about inventing stuff and licensing it. It was like, oh, you know, I should get this a side gig going and had an invention, went to a patent attorney who was on my hockey team, and it was a terrible experience. And so I wound up taking the patent bar, because you can do that if you have an engineering or science degree. I became a patent agent, and then I wound up working for that attorney for about three years, where I really learned the trade, at which point I went to law school, went out on my own as a patent attorney, and I've been doing a bunch of other stuff, being a patent attorney, helped found a startup. I did a bunch of things since then over the last 15, 20 years. Wow, quite a background. So, And it's something that probably a lot of engineers don't think about this idea or opportunity to go be a patent agent or maybe a patent attorney if that's something they want to do with their technical background. 
certainly a, a career option for them to consider. And you've been kind of through a lot of different phases over the course of your career. So tell us a little bit more then, Russ. What does life look like for you today on a daily basis? And, and what do you do now? Well, I'm a sole practitioner. You know, you work a little bit, but you spend a lot of time doing outreach and talking to people. And I'm involved in a lot of angel investor group. I do due diligence. I invest in these groups and so on. Because my business is about new inventions and so on, I go to a lot of conferences. I go to the Consumer Electronics Show. I haven't been to the hardware show in a little bit, but I try to get out and see what new technology is happening. And to me, that's a ton of fun in that just wandering around the shows. I don't know that it really pays money in terms of, you know, you don't get clients for anything doing that, but man, it's a lot of fun. For our engineers who are listening here, who maybe know a little bit about or heard of patents, can you give us a little bit more in insight into what patents really do and what their purpose is and, and why it's important for engineers to maybe understand this and, and think about patenting particular things they may be working on. We've all heard of Thomas Edison and he got a patent on the light bulb filament. The Wright brothers got patents on their airplanes. It's an honor to get a patent. Certainly as an engineer, it was a very big goal of mine. It was short of the Nobel prize. It's about as good as you can get in as an engineer to create something that nobody in the history of the universe has ever thought of or created. That's a pretty big honor. As an engineer working in a company like Hewlett Packard, there was an award program for it. You know, you got the gift certificates or the bonuses or whatever that came along with getting the patents. The companies use those patents in interesting ways. Hewlett Packard, at least when I was working there, had tens of thousands of patents. And they would do these huge cross-license deals with other companies and, and so on. In the startup space, for a small company, or if you're an inventor in your garage, the patents are used in a completely different way. For big companies, they're horse-traded. I got a stack of patents that's five feet tall and yours is only four feet tall. You pay me. If I'm a startup company, I have one or two patents or whatever, and big company infringes, I need those patents to be really good because I need those to be a weapon against that big company who's stealing my stuff. When you're a small inventor, those patents need to be able to survive. They need to be able to survive litigation. They need to be able to survive licensing, and they need to be the highest quality possible. When you're at a big company and you're grinding out thousands of patents a year, nobody cares. They're just another plaque on the wall. But smaller companies, it's really, really important. Depending on the size of the company and, and what the patent is trying to cover and, and teach us, there's different ways to use patents. So can you share about some of these other ways that engineering companies or organizations can get really creative and maybe even use these patents as financial tools? If the patents are valuable, we can do stuff with them. We can collateralize them for a loan. We can insure them so that they can be enforced against other people. We can insure the company so that if they're sued by somebody else, they can live to tell about it. The insurance is similar to getting fire insurance. The place burns down, you're out of business, right? Well, you can get insurance for patent lawsuits as well. 
Your question, though, is what can companies do with this? Tiny fraction of all patents are actually enforced against somebody else. Most of the time, there's some kind of deterrent factor. If I say patent pending on my product, is somebody else, is a competitor going to look at that and say, oh, maybe I'll try ripping off somebody else? I'm being overly facetious there, but maybe I can move on to a different product if I'm worried that I'm going to get sued afterwards. Having patents makes investors feel good. Investors feeling good is an important value proposition. You know, I'm being pretty cynical here because it really means that the investors feel good and they never do any due diligence to look at these patents and say, hey, are these good or are they bad? They say, oh, we have a patent. Great. Here's a big pile of money. They don't really look at the quality of these assets. I think they do that at their detriment. A lot of the due diligence I'm doing with these angel groups is kind of, hey, guys, this patent's not really all that good. Just don't put a lot of weight in it. The company might still be good. They might have terrible patents, but they still might be a good investment. But just don't count on that patent having a ton of value. You know, when push comes to shove and to have to go to court and we find out that the patent's worthless, it's a little late. We talked about here that some patents maybe aren't that useful and how they're put together. And perhaps some of the people who are trying to feel good about these patents may not do the due diligence when they're looking into things. So what are some of the other common mistakes that companies or organizations make with patents? You know, they tend to go in binary fashion. Either they think the patents are worth billions and billions and millions of dollars, and they think they're worth way too much, or they think they're worth nothing. And the truth is they're probably worth something in between. It's very, very hard to figure that out without a lot of context and without a lot of experience. That's part of the problem. The two things that I use to evaluate patents are when I look at the patent, I want to say, is it detectable? If I had a patent on this and my competitor was infringing, could I tell that they were copying my stuff. And a lot of people complain about software patents, but the truth is, if I patent some grand machine learning, AI, blockchain, algorithm nonsense, I could never tell that my competitor is using that. And so if I can't tell that my competitor is using my algorithm, they might be using something similar, but a little bit different, or instead of machine learning, we all know they put a random number generator in, whatever it is, you know, If I don't have access to source code, I'll never be able to find that out. So what have I done by getting a patent in that situation? What I've done is harmed my company. I've taken that algorithm that took forever to develop, that I put all my energy in, that I work so hard at and is the core to my company's success. I took it, paid a patent attorney to publish it for everybody in the world to see and I got nothing in return. I actually wound up giving away all my trade secrets and getting an unenforceable patent in return. And this I see constantly. Entrepreneur or inventor says, hey, this is really important. I don't want anybody to steal it from me. Let's go get a patent. And the patent attorney obliges. They have a conflict of interest there. They're getting paid to do a job. And so they do the job that they're getting paid to do. 
what happens? The patent owner, the inventor shoots themselves in the foot. And that's just heartbreaking to see over and over and over. It's good to have a patent. You know, why not? You want to have that protection or something, but sometimes it, there are instances where it can be doing more harm than good there. And being able to enforce that or detect it is a critical thing for us to think about here. That's kind of the conflict of interest that exists there, is that the client goes and says, I want protection. Here's my business. I want protection. And they show up at the patent attorney's doorstep and say, I want protection. And the patent attorney says, whoa, 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 I'm selling you patents. If you want a patent, I'll give you one. I'll get you a patent on anything you want. You tell me what you want and I'll do it for you. You know, you're hiring a workman to do a job, somebody to paint your house. Here's a job, go do it. The conflict of interest is that the patent attorney needs to make money. They need to sell patents. And if you walk in the door with some perpetual motion machine nonsense, and you really want one and you scratch a check, it's my obligation as a patent attorney to do that. It's really incumbent upon an entrepreneur or an inventor or whatever to say, does this patent have value to me commercially? And it's incumbent upon you to figure out if the patent's good or bad. It's not your patent attorney. So, Russ, how does someone who may be unfamiliar with some of these things, unfamiliar with the ways of patents, how do they do that work and understand whether it's worth patenting or not and, and whether there's value there? I have a book called Investing in Patents, which I wrote a few years ago, and it, it kind of outlines my thought process for how do I evaluate inventions how do I figure out, is this invention worth patenting or not? The book's available on Amazon, but truth be told, if somebody sends me an email and asks me nicely, I'll send them a copy. The real way you do it is the school of hard knocks. Unfortunately, you got to get kicked in the head a few times for you to say, oh, I didn't understand why that was important. I could tell you till I'm blue in the face, don't get that patent. And then you say, but I really want one. And then you get it. And then you find out five or 10 years later, that wasn't a good investment. The other part of the problem with these patents is that the feedback loop is eternal on them. You do it now, and then we'll find out 15 years from now if you're right. And then you get to do it again. You only have so many bites at the apple in a lifetime, right? Russ, I want to kind of build upon this. Sometimes there are maybe some other misconceptions or myths about patents, and they kind of find their way into uh, popular discourse or other things from like the types of things that are patentable to how important it is to get that IP, you know, with patents. We've talked about some of this, but are there any other common myths or misconceptions about patents and intellectual property that people just need to be aware of that we just may not know because we're not deep into this stuff? I tend to look at patents from business standpoint. Does this patent help me or hurt me? And if it helps me, does it help me all that much? Is it worth the investment? If you're thinking about getting a patent for your own business or you're doing this in your garage or whatever, patent only has value when there's product in the market. I can do a speculative forward thinking, what we call prophetic patents, where I say, okay, what if we had a self-driving car? And wouldn't it be cool if we had a self-driving car? And Maybe I could invent something around that, some service that goes along with it or whatever. 
I could sit here in my garage and write that patent and hope that someday in the future, somebody wants to buy this patent. I could think, oh, well, you know, there'll be 10 billion self-driving cars and everyone pays me $10, you know, I'll have all this money, right? The reality is that that patent, that idea may never make it to the market during the period that the patent's in force. Think about the iPhone. I mean, they're still running the same user interface that came out during the George W. Bush administration. That It hasn't changed since then. I mean, don't tell me that technology moves because it's glacial. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking too far in advance and do these wishful thinking patents, these science fiction patents of, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had a fork that talked to me or some silly idea? What you want is something that's going to make it to market. So if you're doing a startup and you create a patent, that product, exactly as it is in the patent, needs to be in the market. You need to be selling that. If you can sell the product that that patent covers, now we're starting to create actual value in the patent. A lot of people make the mistake of getting a patent on kind of at the beginning of your inventive journey, beginning of your entrepreneur stage. Hey, I got a patent on this grand idea. Well, I'll guarantee you that that grand idea is going to morph and change as you go through the technology stack and figure out all the technology problems. And then no plan ever survives contact with a customer. Every time the customer says, oh, you know what? I want to use that upside down or I want to use it in this case, or, you know, I don't like that feature. I want this one. Until you figure out what the customer really wants, all ideas are worthless. The patent that I want to get is a patent on what the customer actually paid money for. And so there's a long journey between that. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes people do is get a patent way too early. And the good inventions are always yet to come. Early in my journey, I have very little data. I don't understand the technology as well. I don't understand the customer as well. Six months later, I'm smarter. A year later, I'm smarter. Five years later, I'm still, I'm getting even smarter about this. The idea of, oh, you know, the light bulb went off and I got to run to the patent office. Like, quit doing that. Take a deep breath. Think about whether this is going to help you or not and make a business decision on whether or not it's worth doing. I just want to ask you one more thing kind of surrounding this. Talk about if you have a patent, we want to be able to enforce it or detect it. There are other pieces, ways we can do this, like insurance for enforcing patents. Is that an important thing to consider? And where does that benefit us, if at all? I'm an independent insurance broker that specializes in IP insurance. And I buy patent insurance for patents that I own or that I'm financing for a startup company. I typically do half a million or a million dollars of enforcement for each company. What that gives them is half a million dollars of legal fees that they can spend on enforcing the patents. Anytime that you need to have that hammer, it's available. And if you're an independent inventor and you think, oh, I'm going to license this to somebody and you go through the try to license it, but nobody really takes it or somebody, you get them down the road almost to the altar, but they disappear. Having enforcement insurance means that if they just decide, hey, I'm just going to steal it or I'm going to try to work around it or whatever, 
means that you can take them to court and actually enforce your rights. If you own patents, it's essential to have. Otherwise, you probably are not going to have the needed money in order to actually do the legal work to enforce it. It's going to be real expensive. So that insurance actually gives you the ability to enforce it if that time comes. That makes plenty of sense. Russ, as we end off kind of this main segment here, any other pieces of advice or insights that we haven't been able to talk about that you think would be useful for the engineers listening here? One of the things I would consider, I talk to a lot of engineers who are thinking about taking the patent bar or going to law school or whatever. I did not think about it when I got out of college and as I was working as an engineer and so on. And I want to make the sales pitch for becoming a patent agent or a patent attorney. When I was designing product, I really loved the idea phase. And then I had to grind out the designs and then I had to get them manufactured and then I had to debug them. Then I had to ship them. Then I had to support them. And the fun part came with all that drudgery that came along with it. Now that I'm doing patents, I get to touch an idea. I get to involve myself with it a little bit and morph it and change and suggest some, or, you know, at least I get to work with a cool idea but I'm done with it in like two weeks. I don't have to do support or shipping or debugging or any of that nonsense. I just get to touch it, have some fun with it, and then move on to the next one, which is kind of cool. The other thing is that as an engineer, the reason why we are paid as a profession so much is because the things we do scale. When I was designing shower heads at Waterpick in the first six months, we sold 500,000 units. That was 500,000 people who are waking up every morning, taking a shower with my shower head. I got to touch their lives in a very small way, but it's tremendous scale. And as a patent attorney, I get to create a patent for somebody, which what's that patent worth? Million dollars or whatever? You know, I have no idea, but I can create that amount of value in a very short period of time. And then the next week I can replicate it and do it again. From a a value creation standpoint, this bit about being a patent attorney or patent agent is really attractive. The last thing I'll say is that law school is ridiculously easy. If you survived OCHEM If you survive differential equations and physics three and quantum mechanics and all that other nonsense to become an engineer, law school is like a cakewalk. It is sadly far too easy than you might think it is. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different mode. But if you survive to be an engineer, you have far more skills than you can possibly imagine. And try out law. It's it's a lot of fun. Thanks for that perspective, Russ. This time, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show, where we'll get one final takeaway from Russ on what you can do to take action right now. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Russ, we've had a fun conversation here. Can you give us one more thing for those who are listening who are considering maybe getting a patent or designing a product or something around that, what would be the final piece of advice you would have for them? The most important thing is design the business around this idea before you get the patent. And what I mean by that is 
figure out how this product is going to go to market and who the players are and what their incentives are and what they need. Now, if you're in a big corporation like I was at HP, they pretty much said, okay, we want ideas. We want inventions in this space. And so as an engineer, I'd fill out an invention disclosure form. If I'm in my garage and I'm inventing something, I want to think about who's really going to bring this product to market and what do they want to see? They want to see reference designs. They want to see prototypes. They'd love to see the product in packaging. They'd love to see sales of the product. They want you to de-risk this thing as much as you can. And even if you don't execute on that stuff, even if you exit out and give it, hand it off to somebody else to do the rest of that, you need to think about that patent and that idea in the context of that business timeline, not just, hey, I got a great idea. Somebody's going to pay me a big pile of money. Great stuff here. Russ, it's been a fun conversation. If people are interested in connecting with you or learning more about some of these things, you have resources or things that you would recommend that they check out? I'm available on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out and connect with me there. My website is blueironip.com or ip.insure. I have a book called Investing in Patents that's available on Amazon. But if you just shoot me an email and ask nicely, I'll send one to you, sign copy. You can find my email or phone number on those websites as well. I'm happy to chat with anybody who's got any questions about becoming a patent attorney or agent or somebody who's got an idea and they want to figure out what to do with it next. Happy to chat with them. Thanks so much for being here. It's been a fun discussion and uh, look forward to um, staying connected and, and seeing more of what you're up to. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode, as well as any links to the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for those engineers who are struggling with unemployment or underemployment or who are uncertain about how to make an intentional career transition to find something that you really love to do, I have created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.